In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents He's in the Afternoon Tea with host Sammy Sage. Is that what you're saying? Please proceed, Governor. Presented by the Betches Sub Podcast. You better hope there's a lot of girls listening to this with the volume turned down. Your weekly dose of political therapy. Cardi, that's what I've been doing my whole life. And now, with this week's guest. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. Your host, Sammy Sage. Welcome to today's episode of Afternoon Tea, your companion to the morning announcements and weekly political therapy session brought to you by The Betches Sup. Today's guest is Emily Favreau, former communications director for Time's Up. We chatted about what it's like to live in an extremely politically adjacent family, pregnancy and motherhood in the pandemic, and what Michelle Obama once said to her at a party. With that, let's get the tea from Emily. Welcome, Emily. I am thrilled to have you as like a big fan and Twitter follower, obviously. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. You are you are coming to us from from LA. How is the recall election going, by the way? Um, you know, it's it's fascinating. Um, I don't I'm not like completely up to speed on the latest. I will say I take a lot of walks around my neighborhood and I have seen that there is a recall Newsom yard sign in front of Kat Von D's house. Oh so very intrigued by that. Um so just some some pop culture knowledge. Uh, it's It seems like an odd person to be on, on the recall campaign, but there you go. That is very odd. Maybe one day you should just like knock on the door and be like, hi, I'm a volunteer with Newsom's campaign. I'm just wondering if there's any way I could I could understand why you have this sign out. Maybe at the same time, she'll like give me a free mascara and like we can swap, swap back. Yeah, I might, I might. Exactly. Okay. So for those of you who don't know Emily, in case you are fans of Crooked Media, which I think you all know that I am a fan of, um, her husband is the famous John Favreau, who hosts the podcast and used to work for Obama and write his very well-known and very well-liked speeches. So, Emily, personally, I am a fan of yours as well as your husband's, but like yours too. I love to follow your your dog account. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Leo, Leo's Instagram is really my my pride and joy. But yeah, so I wanted to chat with you about kind of like what it is like living so close to politics, but not necessarily being the political one in the fam. And also, you just had you just had a baby in the pandemic, and I want to talk about pandemic motherhood and pregnancy it's a lot it's a lot there's a lot no one tells you um but yeah well thank you for all those kind words and about crooked yeah so yes i'm married to john favreau but not the director i remember when i um when i met john i met him when i was um the summer before my senior of college we met when we were like children wow um and i remember telling my mom i was like yeah like you can Google him. He's like extremely Googleable, but he's like older than me. So like, you're just going to, he's like nine years older than me. But um, I was like, so you might be freaked out. And 
she didn't Google him, but my dad did. And my dad is not great at Google and found the director and was like, this man is much too old for you. I don't understand what you see in him. And I was like, no, 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 let's go back. Let's go back. Um, but yeah, so John is crazy political. He's like a Twitter junkie. He's like, if he's ever in a bad mood and I don't know why I like check Twitter and realize he's like in a Twitter fight and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but so yeah, we, um, he's the political one in the family, which is interesting though, because I actually have a very political background too. Um, my dad is a federal judge and ran in five campaigns before I was 12 in Ohio. Um, yeah. So I feel like, like campaigns and politics is always like sort of in my blood. Um, and then he, my dad was appointed by Obama to the, um, federal judiciary in 2009. I think I read that he had decided Obergefell versus Hodges and, but the, the one that went before the Supreme court. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the way the federal court system is set up is he is a district court judge and then above district court, um, there's the Court of Appeals. And my dad had the case in Ohio of Burgefell versus Hodge, which said that um, same-sex couples, it was this one man, Jim Obergefell, who basically sued the state for saying that his marriage to his husband, which he did, he got, they got married in Maryland, um, wasn't recognized in Ohio. And um, Jim's husband was going to die. And Jim basically said, I want his death certificate to reflect that we're a married couple. Like that's, that's what's fair. Um, and so my dad is a great writer and in his um, decision, he wrote, this is not a complicated case. Like Ohio, like must recognize same-sex marriage just as Ohio recognizes marriage between cousins. Like it's just, this is easy. Um, but so my dad was actually overturned by the court of appeals. And so since it was a split decision between the district court and the court of appeals, that's the case that went to the Supreme court. Wow. Um, so that was really a crazy moment when the Supreme Court ruled and ended up kind of siding with my dad. Um, and I remember that was just like the most beautiful day. It was also my parents' anniversary when they did the ruling June 26th. And it was a very love is love, love wins. Felt, felt very cool and meaningful that day. That is adorable. I remember that day very well in the city. It was just like a really lovely time. A great week too. And the whole White House was lit up um, rainbow. Remember yeah. That? And I feel like the World Cup was on also in the background. <laughs> I think so too. Is that also the week that Obama sang Amazing Grace in the church? It might be, but I, I don't remember if it was that. So so but I can't be sure but yeah it was an incredible week but um yeah so politics has always kind of like been in my family been in my blood I actually the summer I met John I was interning for Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio who's my home state senator and when I graduated from college I went and started working in his press office um and so that was kind of my first job first foray into like communications and press um and it was wonderful I really loved it um and but now I kind of like to keep my toe dipped in like the talent world, politics. Like I don't want to be all in on politics because that feels like way too much with John, John in it too. So to be kind of adjacent is helpful, I think, for our marriage. Yes, definitely. <laughs> do you think that that has like changed your perspective? Like, would, do you think you would have even like found John if you didn't like grow up in this? I mean, you know, if you didn't grow up in this family and... I mean, I think, yes, I would. I mean, who knows? Like, I guess I 
found John because I was working in DC and so was he. And, um, but I also think I probably would not have married someone who was just like extremely uninterested in politics, just because the way I was raised was like sitting around the dinner table talking about what was happening in the world or what was, we used to like rank city council finishers. And like, <laughs> okay. So you guys are a nerdy family. I love yeah, it. My sister, my sister is, um, very artsy, went to Savannah College of Art and Design, and we always used to make her participate. And I remember so clearly, like we ranked them all and like put them in an envelope and opened them after election night. And hers said like, I really do not care who wins city oh. council. <laughs> like ranked in order one through eight. Yeah. And we were like, cool, cool. This one's Abby. Yeah, she was asserting herself. She was like, we're, yeah, I'm not yeah. giving into this. Exactly, exactly. So that is so fun. What is your like earliest memory of like national politics, like an event that happened? My uncle um, was Senator Paul Wellstone's campaign manager, um, a senator from Minnesota. He was like this. If you don't know that much about him, look him up. Like if you ever want to feel inspired by politics, Google Paul Wellstone quotes. And he just has like the most amazing. I wish he was still alive. But um my uncle Jeff Blodgett was Paul Wellstone's campaign manager, and he was running in a re-election um, against, I don't, Norm someone. It was some asshole Republican. <laughs> and it was like a week away from election day, and Paul Wellstone died in a plane crash. Oh, wow. In, uh, and it was like really early. And I remember Walter Mondale ended up running in Wellstone's seat and he lost. And it was just this, like, I was, I was like almost too young. I think I was in like sixth grade, but I remember being like, my uncle was supposed to be on the plane and there was this whole, and it, and it was one of those things where it was like, the bad guy is going to win now, you know, right. because like Wellstone had it in the bag and it was going to be a great. Um, and then when Mondale lost, I just remember being like gutted. Um, yeah. As and a sixth I have a grader. Early memories of like, being devastated on election nights. So, yeah. <laughs> like uh, 2000, well, not really 2000, but uh, right, like a month right. later. I know, I remember that. And I remember um, my dad ran, in Ohio, you run for the Ohio Supreme Court, which is just like odd in itself. But um, I remember my dad ran in 2000 and he lost. And I remember like I was 12 and I was so devastated because when you're like, I'm competitive too. So it was just like, I, I remember like sleeping on a cot in my parents' room because I like couldn't even be alone and just like sobbing and, and saying like, how could my dad lose? And my mom is like the most amazing, like expectation setting person. And she was just, and someone I knew had just lost their mom to breast cancer. And my mom was like, listen, this is an election. This is not, this is not life and death. Like, right we're going to get back out there and, and everything's fine. And I, that's one of my most like, Oh, wow. This is, this is crazy. Um, so then every, I guess I was prepared for, for Trump to win. And I cried alone in a bathroom in Miami, Florida. Um, but yeah, that would be a, another, another low election. Right. For me. The worst one. Like I'll never forget the feeling like in my stomach. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So was your family like... Was it that they were very motivated by like helping people or like helping like, the you know, kind of like the most vulnerable people in society? Or were they more into like the like the politicking of politics? Like what was there like, were, were there a lot of conversations about like, you know, kind of why there is a need for government and it's really to like protect people? Yeah, I think so, especially um, especially with my dad, just in a way where he grew up super privileged, went to Deerfield and Harvard, but he was adopted um, as like a six month old, which is so interesting now that I have a nine month old, like I can't imagine six, six months old is like pretty, pretty old. So my dad was adopted and he's always kind of had this like feeling of being like, I had all these opportunities thanks to like my upbringing, like, but they shouldn't be limited to just like white men who can go to Harvard, you know? And so my dad has always been like an extremely, extremely empathetic person. Um, and he always, I always make fun of him because whenever he gives speeches, he always quotes this woman whose name he can't pronounce. And he says like, um, life is spent, um, in quiet preparation, doing tiny, decent things until one moment catapults us to center stage and requires us to act. Um, and I think that that's kind of where I started really thinking about politics being like the tiny things you can do every day to improve people's lives, as opposed to like sweeping changes. Um, like even when I worked in Sherrod Brown's office, like he was amazing on all sorts of issues, but like the constituent services calls that people would do that were like actually helping people like figure out how they can like get their passports. You know, it was just like all these small things that were like, oh, government really like a well-run government helps people. Um, and you need to get people into these offices of power um, so they can actually improve people's lives. Um, so that's kind of, and I think that's what John always thought too with Obama and probably something that like grounds us. Yeah, no, I asked because I feel like, I mean, no one in my family worked in politics, but like we were very, the news was always on, like we would always talk about the news like very intensely. And I feel like I also went back and sort of explored like, why do I care? Like other people don't care. Like, why do I care? And it, yeah, I mean, it came, it came down to a few other things. Like my, my brother um, had autism growing up. So I really saw how like government like matters, like yeah. Yeah, with funding and there's really decisions that affect people. But yeah, no, I completely that's why I asked that is I completely like got that. Um, yeah. And it sort of stays with you. And it's like you can't like unsee it after. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, so when you started to well, first of all, where did you go to college? I went to the University of Richmond in Virginia. 
So did you did you know going into college that you were like what did you major in? And then did you know you would end up in a senator's office? <laughs> oh my gosh, what a what a big dream. Um Yeah. yeah well, Richmond is like an hour and a half from DC. So like I feel like I was always kind of in DC, but it also I don't know. Um it was just like Richmond was a fun city, but like not a big city, you know. Um right. but yeah, so I majored in um University of Richmond actually has this separate school called the School of Leadership Studies. Um, so my major was leadership, which one of my friends once told me that's like majoring in friendship. Um, but really how <laughs> I describe it is it was like. I mean, maybe more people should major in Yeah, friendship. no, it was really, it was fascinating and it was all the best professors. And it was honestly like political science meets like history. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I mean, I always like expressed an interest in politics. I remember so clearly um, my first week at Richmond, I met with my college counselor and I was signed up for tap, tap dancing, because there was like an active <laughs> that you, like an art yeah. collective. And I was like, that'll be so cool, that'll be fun. Like, I, I'm not rhythmic, like it would not have been. <laughs> um, but he was um, a leadership professor and he was like, you know what? Like, we talked for a while and he was like, I think you would actually really like the leadership school. Like, I think, like my class is full, but I can like override it and you can join. He's like, you would just have to drop tap. And I was like, oh, I mean, I guess I'll drop tap, you know, like my, yeah. my new dream. Um, and then it was so funny because later he sent me an article in the New York Times and it was called like all the Obama 20 somethings or something. And it was like, and he was like, I can really see you like having this kind of career. And I looked like years later and John is like heavily featured in that article and I was so funny didn't have the career but (laughs) did did marry did marry one of them (laughs) well he was on to something because like you did fit with that vibe I know and I and I and I did work in DC and I um after I worked in Sharon's office I worked for SKD Knickerbocker which is a like political communications firm there um so I've always been like politically adjacent um even though I didn't work on like the Obama campaign or anything. What was the coolest thing you experienced um, when John was like working directly for him? Oh my gosh. Um, like all of it. It was the so weird. Um, honestly, the White House parties are so cool. They're so really? cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what? Like what? What are they like? Can you describe? Okay. Are people like raging? Yes. Or they are? Yeah. Who's raging? Is a, like, how high up are the ragers in the Everyone. administration? Like literally, I remember being at an inaugural party, maybe. And it's like, I mean, it's a Obama, Obama too. Like Obama's cool. Right. So, like all the celebrities would go, you know? Right. But I remember we walked in. I don't know what year it was. But we walked in and John and I both like gasped at the same time. And I looked at him. I'm like, yeah, I know. Right. He's like, yeah, Paul McCartney. And I was like, no, Ashley Olsen. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I feel like that sounds like um, just like a very a metaphor for it all. Exactly. Exactly. But I was like, oh, my God. Um, But yeah, it's like a dance party, like like Obama dances, Michelle dances, like the girls were dancing. Do people get drunk? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, um, but, yeah. but are people? Is it like, is it like when people are in an office party and they're not yeah. sure how far to no. go? Or no. okay, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was like just poorly behaved, but we always get <laughs> sure really, really drunk. Um, and we'd also like Obama would always laugh because like our crew would be like the last ones there at like four a.m. and it would be like it's time to go home. I'm jealous. Yeah. Like I'm like I really want to be there. Honestly, like on a, we were like. Yeah. One night, 
at one of those parties, we came home and we were like, our wedding will never be as fun as any of these parties that we've been to like this, which like we had a fun wedding. Was it? What was it as fun? It was fun in a different way because it was like all like our friends and family, but it wasn't like Usher dancing with Obama, you know? Okay, right. That is like a special thing. Did you ever have like a really good conversation with anyone, like a deep convo with anyone who would be of interest to the audience, let's say? Uh, Or who's the coolest person you've like gone deep with? Um, I mean, let's think. Who's the coolest person I've gone deep with? Well, this isn't like deep, but this is a good story. The first time John took me to a White House event, I keep in mind I was 22 probably. Oh, wow. Which is like a child. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't think so at the time. No, you were like, I'm no. extremely I, old I and experienced. Wearing, like, stunning navy blue eyelet dress. You know, like I. I was on it. You brought it. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was the first event was a White House pool party for the 4th of July. And I remember I hadn't even met John's parents yet. Like this was like newly into like me living in D.C. officially, us officially dating. Um, and I knew the Obamas were going to be there, obviously. Um, and John, like John worked for Obama, like starting when he was 23. So he was like younger brother, like. And so that meant like Michelle also like took that's so casual. I know it was crazy. Um, But so I think Michelle kind of was like, who's this? You know, like who's John Favreau bringing to this White House pool party? And I I talked to him and it was like very formal and lovely. And then I talked to her and it was so hot and all the kids were swimming in the pool. And we were just like making small talk. And I was like, oh, God, it's so hot. I wish I brought my swimsuit. I would just. Um, I should just jump in the pool right now. Like, I don't know. I said something like embarrassing like that when you stay in front of Michelle Obama. And she was like, yeah, you you could. Um, And then we'd all talk about you tomorrow. Oh, shit. That's great. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. Like, Michelle Obama just – and honestly, like, I've talked to her since then, and she's, like, wonderful. And, like, they've sent us, like, baby gifts and wedding notes. But, like, I remember being – Oh, my gosh. What did they get you for Charlie? Oh, they got us – well – he wrote like a beautiful handwritten note that's like that's more important than any gift so cool it's obviously framed um and they got us like a little a very preppy little like onesie um that charlie actually wore on easter and it has like the presidential seal embroidered on the inside and it says like charlie's name and birthday i know it's it's like oh my gosh he charlie could be president that could be his first presidential seal i I think like i think we're done on on white men being president but maybe he could be vp (laughs) You know, maybe by then there will have been so like that it a white man will be. Like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I I hope my son is um, not president, but you know, Fine. maybe yeah, maybe yeah. he turns out to be a great person, and that's what the world needs at the time. Fair enough. There's enough books called like this little president that. <laughs> Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. 
You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So, okay, you have made small talk with Michelle Obama. I can't even imagine, like, what the fuck you even say. Like... Like, what are you saying in that? How's the weather? That, Where I mean, are that's your kids going? I the pool party and then I embarrassed myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she probably she probably wants to have fun with people is yeah. what I always assume about her. I'm like, her life must be boring. Yeah. Or not like her life, but like the things she has to do must be very boring. Right. I think, um, I think like their life now is probably great though. Yeah. You know? Totally. Like she's just like, all right. I like, whenever people are like, is Michelle going to run? I'm like, no. She's right. like, she got through that shit. She's so happy. Like, right. She didn't like being part of like the political I mean, class, I, I felt. I like. don't know. Like, she's just so like made for it. And she's so talented and beautiful. Like, yeah. it just seemed so effortless. But I'm sure there was a part of her who, who was like, I was a lawyer. Like, I want to, you know, I don't know. Do my own thing. Yeah. Okay. So... I really do want to talk about um, your experience having being pregnant during the pandemic and oh. then now being a mother to the cutest. Really, he's so adorable. Thank you. Thank you. Yo. But most important, how are Leo and Charlie getting along? Ooh, that's a that's a tough that's a tough conversation, honestly. Um, really? Well, so at the beginning, Leo was like obsessed. Like I would go into Charlie's room in the middle of the night and breastfeed and Leo would follow me and sit in the chair with me and like, but now that Charlie's like sort of on the move and like doesn't have control of his hands, he like grabs at Leo's fur and Leo's like, no, like this, I'm not interested in this baby. So Leo kind of like put like, which is sad because Charlie is like dying to be Leo's friend. Um, (laughs) So it's like pretty one-sided. But I I have high hopes that they'll get there. Um, Yeah. So stay tuned. So how has it been like, just being I you were pregnant very early in the pandemic right like yeah, when we didn't so, know anything yeah that was actually scary so I had Charlie in at the end of July and um so I was like pretty early in my pregnancy like right when the pandemic hit um and it was scary like just in the way that like pregnancy was like a pre-existing condition like we didn't know what um what would happen so like when Isaiah John and I quarantined like we quarantined like we didn't right anyone and we kept being like you know it's gonna suck like we're gonna have charlie right when like the world opens up again but like nope july was like second surge <laughs> like yeah july was like the the only the peak when people like interacted normally a little bit before oh, going into the worst winter of our lives yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um so we were like intensely quarantined we actually moved the day of the shutdown order 
Um, so what? yeah, it was crazy, but we, um, we were moving anyway. And so we moved in March and it actually ended up being really good timing because it was like a new place to never leave. Um, like plenty of time to decorate the house. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone had a shitty year. I always talk to John about how like we had the best year ever because we had this like beautiful, healthy baby. Um, and we still had a shitty year, you know? So like right. when people have lost loved ones and lost jobs, like I just think about how lucky I was like, oh, God forbid I had to like sit in my backyard in Los Angeles for six months, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I would say the the weirdest thing about becoming a mother in the pandemic was like kind of figuring out what was pandemic and what was now being a parent. Like sometimes I would be like, do I just like not go out to dinner with friends because like I'm a mom now or do I not go out to dinner with friends because we're in a pandemic? Like it was really hard and like kind of isolating to like figure that out a little bit. Um, But then like as things started lifting and we started feeling comfortable, like leaving Charlie with John's parents, like I started realizing like, okay, no, this was pandemic. Like motherhood is actually not as isolating (laughs) yeah Yeah, did you have friends who you were like kind of timing similar timing that you could talk to about it like yeah well I'm honestly I've like made I mean John like hates going for walks with me in our neighborhood now because like I know every single person I know like because I took 18 mile walks a day because there was nothing else to do um, so I actually like anytime I would see a woman with like a baby stroller I'd be like hey uh, would you like to like take a walk with me. Um, so I ended up like making a lot of new mom friends, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where everyone is just like, I mean, you had a like canceled wedding during the pandemic. Like I, I could be so much worse. Right. Like I didn't expect to like not have a baby shower and like give birth in a mask, but I did. It was fine. You know? Wow. Yeah. Was it was it like a hard labor? Was it? No, uh, I'm like the worst person. It was like very beautiful and easy. <laughs> you're so lucky. My One of my best friends who had a baby was also beautiful and easy. And I'm know. like, okay, maybe it can be beautiful and easy. Like, I mean, honestly, I think you tell more stories like that. Like you like it was great. Well, I think I think women often feel guilty being like, actually, I had no problems yeah. because it's sort of like. I yeah, know, I know. you don't want to feed into the like glorifying of it, but it's like actually my experience was fine. That right. doesn't mean everybody's is. Right. Exactly. So. I mean, I got an epidural like as early as you could get it. Like I in no way was like yeah. a trooper, but I, I had like a quick labor, which was nice. Well, that's why they have them. But that yeah. is amazing that you have been just like powering through new motherhood and with, with the pandemic, I give you a lot of credit because that is my husband has been working from home for the last year. So it's a little <laughs> tricky to um, keep a crying baby out of the background of Positive America, but I do my best. <laughs> oh, yeah. But do you, so you, so you just moved into this house, like, right? No, like in the beginning. Ago. Yeah. Wow. That is like, oh, my gosh. We are going to play a Taylor Swift game. Emily and I are both Swifties, although like clearly she's much more Swifty than I am, and I, I should be embarrassed. I don't even know what the game is. I will also say that I I don't know what the game is. I just I just told Stacy we're gonna we should play a Taylor Swift game, and like I'll leave it to you to make up. She did so so it. she made it up. So Amanda's gonna moderate between me and Emily. Hi, hi Amanda. Yes, so I guess 
Should we alternate and whoever gets the most right wins? Or should we write it down and hold it up? What do you think? I guess that doesn't really help the, if you're prepared, the audience. But I guess if I have we would, a pen and paper, I don't. I'm going to say them. Both of yeah. you raise your hands when you know it. And okay. I'll, I'll say that you can say it. And then you both get a point. Everyone gets a point for everything they get right. So it's not, it's not necessarily a like win or lose each round. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> All right. Question number one. I think there's like 10. In which city and state was Taylor born? I know it. Whatever. You both know it. Say it at the same time. Wyoming West State. Reading. Wyoming's in Pennsylvania. It's Reading, Pennsylvania. Is? I think so. Or maybe was she like in an incorporated county? Right. This seems like, I feel like <laughs> Emily is appalled right now. I, I'm feeling like I want to fact check you guys. Wait, I'm literally fact checking. Yeah. According to Wikipedia. Okay, according what to Wikipedia. Wyoming, Pennsylvania. Something. Oh, it's her childhood home. You know what? Maybe that's the, like, she was born in a hospital in Reading, but her childhood <laughs> home. I'm going to give that to both of you. This next one, I think, will be a little simpler. So both raise your hand if you know it. What is Taylor's middle name? What is Taylor's middle name, Emily? Allison. Sammy, we both knew yeah, that. Yeah. Two for two. What is the title of Taylor's first song ever written? Raise your hands. On her first album? Ever ever written. So might have been on an album. Just depends if you know if the first song she ever wrote was on an album. What's the first song on Taylor Swift? Um, Tim McGraw. I wanna say that yes. I wanna say the first song though was like Teardrops on My Guitar. So the first the first song was called Lucky You. Oh, I know that one. It's not You do? Well, it's like it's like you can only find it if you like YouTube Taylor Swift songs that never make the album. <laughs> You can only find it if you saw her open for the Rascal Flats. <laughs> I'm just explaining to myself. I really thought I was going to get them all. These are hard. Yeah, they're, they're very really obscure. Yeah. Number four. I feel good about number four. Which album is our song on? Say it both at the same time. Speak now. Taylor Swift. It's like Taylor Swift. Woo. It pays off to be an early fan. Oh, my God. Such an early fan. That is true. That it's. That is true. This one, I think, this one a late fan should absolutely be able to master. Okay, okay, great. (laughs) How many Grammy Awards have Taylor won? I would guess 13. I'm going to guess 14. (laughs) Neither of you got it. It's 11. I guess 13 because I didn't know, and 13 is Taylor's lucky number, so... These are really hard. You should get a bonus point. You should get like a bonus point for all your like random knowledge. It's not part of the game. This next one is also numbers based, but I'm going to give it to the person who gets the closest. Okay. Okay. It's how many Instagram followers does Taylor have? I bet she has 123 million. Okay. I feel like she has like 111. She has 155 million, giving the point to Emily. That was really close. I feel like she must gain like millions every day. But she also probably loses. That's the thing. Like with those people, they're like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> also, as soon as she says like, don't vote for Marsha Blackburn, like she loses a ton. <laughs> okay. What record label did Taylor Swift leave in 2018? Should we do it at the same time? Like, Big machine. Both got it. All right. When she did that, that was the turning point at which I changed like my actual emotional attachment to Taylor. Like I actually. Were you were never. So I'm sure you guys have talked about this. But so you were never like a detractor. Here's the thing. 
we're the same age, Taylor and I, 1989 babies. When she was in her like bad blood phase and like doing all that stuff, I did not like it because I felt that it was like, like just mean or whatever. And that she had like annoying things that she did in public. But then yes. now with like hindsight, I kind of get why she did all those things totally. And I feel like me disliking her was me disliking something in myself. <laughs> oh, wow. That's deep. <laughs> I think I told you I think about this kind of shit all the time. <laughs> but you weren't one of those people like posting a snake on her Instagram. No, I would, ne- I would never. I would never like do something. I would never partake in something like that just like in general so yeah but yeah that is my that is my progression well the the taylor original taylor swift quote uh there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women originally said by t swift okay so this next one i just learned this this is a cool fact which singer songwriter was taylor named after raise your hands emily got it obviously james taylor you can both get it. Sammy, I was going to say I James I- Taylor. I don't remember where. Did she say that in one of her like recent things? There's a really great YouTube clip of her <laughs> playing a show at Madison Square Garden. And she invites James Taylor out on stage. And they play Fire and Rain. And it is beautiful. Highly recommended. Oh my gosh. Back in like the, the love story days. Um, so you oh. were like a Grateful Dead type fan yeah, of, like, uh, of Taylor Swift. Like people have their performances that are really obscure. She watches the lives. My Spotify, I was like in the 0.01% of her fans. I also like attribute that that like Emily, I was also like really, really high. I was I I know. I mean, I think it oh, you guys, I went into labor when she dropped folklore. Like because she dropped folklore or I was in the hospital and I got a text from someone at like 5 a.m. someone random. And John was like, why is this person texting at 5 a.m.? And they were like, sending me something that said Taylor Swift is releasing an album tonight. And I was like, I'm going to have a baby on the same day Taylor Swift releases a surprise album. Like, and then I felt very like calm and like. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, because your baby came a little early, right? Yeah. So it was like. Yeah. You needed that's perfect timing. I know. Wow. That's what I think you should tell her if you meet her. That's how you should play it. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Well, it's funny because John tweeted, um, that I had the baby, like, and he said that it was like when Taylor released her mm-hmm. album. And so she's tagged. And so all these people who responded to us being like, congratulations, like Taylor is also on the congratulations. So I just feel like if there's any world where she's running her own Twitter, like she's. Yes. That can only have happened to so many people that got that many replies to get her attention for sure. Right. I don't think there was another noted podcast host who's whose wife had a baby that day. Do you think she was Googling, like, is this the director? (laughs) Taylor Swift once liked one of my tweets, like, early in the pandemic. I'm, like, so thirsty to her, and, like, she gives me nothing. Okay, Emily, I DM'd her and asked her to come to perform at my wedding. She didn't answer. (laughs) She didn't answer. But, like, on the day, I I was still thinking. I was like, maybe she'll come. Yeah, Yeah. get it. (laughs) I get it. I I have convinced myself she'd be at like a birthday party, you know, like, but I do that. She does that. That's why I was like, it could happen. If only she knew you. If only she knew you. That's the only barrier is that she doesn't know any of you yet. That's the only barrier. I think you're right. Yeah. So the penultimate question, penultimate question, who directed the 2020 Netflix documentary Miss Americana? I don't know. John Favreau. (laughs) (laughs) Who directed it? Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's such a great documentary. I wish I knew. I'll tell you. It was a woman named Lana Wilson. 
I would never, yeah. never I actually do that. remember that from the credits now. We love that it was a woman. Yeah, I'm craving a rewatch of that now. You know, I, I feel like that made me cry so much when I watched that. I think I watched it three times, which is... <laughs> to be Final excited. question. Oh, what boy. Taylor Swift song was nominated for Best Song at the 2021 Grammys? Hands raised, please. Best Song. The Last Great American Dynasty? No, that's like a secret. Didn't she perform that or did I just like fantasize no. that she would? I'll tell you if that's right after Emily's <laughs> guess. Um, my guess is... Folklore. It's got to be from folklore. Oh, go for it. I don't, I can't. I'm like, is it cardigan? Yeah, that's what I would guess. It's cardigan. Yeah, that was beautiful. (laughs) That was a team effort. That was a a beautiful synergy. And oh my God. I'm going to give it to you both because it does not change the outcome. And our victor is Miss Emily Favreau. Oh my God. By a point, by a point, by a mere point. Thank God. I'm so relieved. I would not have been able to. I'll remind you, the ones you triumphed on were um, our the, the album that our song's on and the Instagram followers. That's wow. who gave it to you. Wow. Huge. Well done. Your ribbon, your ribbon is in the mail. <gasps> well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. This was so fun, guys. Thanks for having me. So fun. This was so fun. Emily, thank you so much for joining us for the afternoon tea. Do you want people to follow you? Like what? Like, sure. Do, what do you want to promote? Because this is, this is your time. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Follow me on Instagram. I'm... I think I'm Evie Fabs. Follow my dog at Leo the Dude. You do good caption work on there, so no, I like that. It. Is what I'm going to recommend. Leo's like sort of like kind of like an asshole, you know? Like he's like that's his vibe. But yes, he's like a little bit conceited. I feel right, that right. My right. before I got our second dog, I was like doing the same vibe for our first yeah. dog on his Instagram. But now I'm like I don't know how to make this feel equitable. <laughs> I know, I know. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough being a being a dog stage mom, but someone It really is. Someone's gotta do it. Thanks for having me on. This is so fun. Bye. Bye. Afternoon Tea is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Our editor is Stacey Wong. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.